want to welcome you, uh, all of our VIPs, those of us joining online, if you're on Facebook Live. Hey, church family, can we welcome everyone joining online? Man. Well, I'm excited about this series. I love, I, I love getting into a new series, and I especially love this one, How to Be a Christian. How to Be a Christian. Because I don't know about you, but uh, there's been moments over the last, I don't know, 18 months, couple of years, that I've just like, I just don't know how, I don't know what to do. You know, anybody ever been in a moment like that? You're just like, I don't know what to do right now. I, I don't know how to be a Christian right now. Like, I just, somebody just tell me what to do. Would somebody just tell me what to do and I'll do it? Anybody else uh, like that, like, like me that, that's had those moments? I just, I don't know how to be a Christian. And I, I think that, uh, you know, in the conversations that I've had and people that I've talked with, and I think we've got a lot of Christians today that uh, they're not exactly where they wanted to be, you know, when they first gave their life to Jesus, like, you know, you look in the mirror, you kind of take inventory of your life and say, I just, I thought I'd, I don't know, I didn't think I'd be here. I, I thought things would be different, you know? Like, like maybe when I, I got, first got saved, I thought I wouldn't have to deal with the same habits that I, I was dealing with. I, I didn't think I'd have the same fears that I had. I, I didn't think that I would be struggling with the same things that I was struggling with. With, I think we've got a lot of Christians that if you just, if we were honest, if we looked at our life, if we looked at how what's going on in our world, we, we just may not necessarily kind of like the product that we currently have. Can anybody be honest and you're like me and you say, you know, I'm not exactly where I want to be spiritually. I'm just, I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay to be honest. This church is a safe place to be honest. You, you can be honest, all right? Like, we're not gonna like line you up and like stone you outside if you're just, you know, I'm not where I wanna be, no. I've been there, I am there. I look at my life and I just say, you know, I'm just, I'm not exactly where I wanna be. And I think we've got a lot of Christians that would say, you know, hey, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but I still with fear. Like, I'm a Christian, but I still have anxiety. Like, I'm a Christian, but I'm mean sometimes. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm a Christian, but I still have these addictions. I, I'm a Christian, but, and here's the truth. I think this is the case because if you notice the title of our series is not how to become a Christian. The title of our series is how to be a Christian. Why? Because it's a lot easier to become a Christian sometimes than it is to be a Christian. Can I get a witness? Sometimes it, it's harder to actually be a Christian. And I, I just struggle with that. I think, I think this is an important topic for us to look at how to be a Christian in 2021, how to be a Christian today, because here's the truth. The key to being a Christian is found in what you do daily. Write that down. If you know you're taking notes, write that down. You want to take notes. I'm telling you, 70% of people that take notes go to heaven, so make sure that you write that down. <laughs> The key to being a Christian is found in what you do daily. Everybody say this phrase, day by day. Anybody ever used that phrase before? You know, it's like when somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm, I'm making it, you know, just day by day. Just, just day by day. Yeah, I'm hanging in there, day by day. That's the title of today's message, day by day by day. I, you know, when I hear that phrase, I've, I've always kind of just felt like it was kind of a weak 
response, you know? Like, it, it was kind of, you know, it's, it's not, not really a great response. Like, what do you mean? You don't have, like, a vision for the future? Like, you don't have big plans for your life? You just, you're just struggling just day by day? I, I felt like that wasn't really a great response. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I look at the Scripture, I think that's how we figure this thing out of how to be a Christian. I think, I think we be a Christian day by day. I think it's the key. How do, you, how do you be a Christian? You do it day by day. Everybody say day by day. So the question is, what are you doing daily? What are you doing daily? Why? Because what you do daily determines who you become permanently. Let me say that again. What you do daily is determining who you're becoming permanently. So if you look in the mirror or you take inventory of your life and you say, I don't really like the product that I have right now, then you may need to look at what you're doing daily. I may need to do some things different tomorrow if I don't like what I'm getting today. Are you with me? Come on, I need, you to, I need you to connect with me. I need you to shout me down. Come on, I'm a hollow back preacher. You gotta hollow back at me, okay? Like, I'm not just up here giving a monologue. I need you to respond. Somebody say day by day. What you do daily, it's creating your habits. It's creating your habits. Do you know that 40% of your activity is done by habit? 40%. 40% of your activity is actually done on autopilot. So think about it this way. If seven days in the week, so if 40%, that means Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you're not in control. That's crazy. That, that 40% of my activity is done by habit. That's why when you drive home after work, right? Anybody been there where you get home and you... you Think for a second, like, I don't remember driving here. Like, what? That only happens to me all the time. Like, it, it just, I, I, autopilot kicks in. Autopilot kicks in, and I just do my habits. So what are you doing day by day? You're doing your habits. 40%. James Clear says this. He says that he, he wrote this book called Atomic Habits. I think you should check it out. If you haven't read it, you should pick it up. It's amazing. And he says this. He says, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. So if you want to get better at anything, you want to get better at basketball, fix your habits. It's the compound interest that's going to improve and make you better. Einstein said this. He said that, that compound interest is the, the most powerful force in the universe. Compound interest. The, the repetition of doing something over and over again, it's powerful. It's powerful. Let me, to, to give you an illustration of that, uh, if you were to take a piece of paper and you were to fold it over, like if I were to take a paper out of my Bible and I were to fold it over, how many layers would I have of paper? I'd have two. Okay, yeah, so make sure you're with me. Some of you are like, oh, trick question. I don't know. Uh, how many layers? Two. If I folded that over again on itself, how many would I have? Four. If I folded that again, how many would I have? Eight. Good job. Some of you are like, don't go any further. You're getting out of my, my math range. Just stay, stay there. But, but it keeps compounding and growing right? How, how, if, if I took that piece of paper and I folded it over and folded it over, if I folded it 25 times, do you know how high that would be, just a standard piece of paper? Anyway, you're like, 
a couple of inches, maybe. Trey, I'll get like if ridiculous. It'd be a foot if it was if it was that that high. Twenty five times a piece of paper folded over on itself. It's a quarter of a mile high. It's a quarter of a mile high if I fold it over twenty five times. That's insane, right? Like, is anybody else just mind just like, like some of you are like, I don't believe you. You're on your phone right now looking it up. Like, just try it. Like, we've got the big paper. Bring the paper out, guys. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna, we're not gonna do that, okay? But it, it, a quarter of a mile high. You know how high it would be if you folded it over 42 times? 42 times. If 25 is a quarter of a mile, 42 times would reach from this stage right here to the moon, to the moon 42 times. 43 times would go from the moon and back. You know how, how high it would be? I just keep going because this is fascinating to me. You know how high it would be if I folded it over 103 times? It would go beyond the known universe, 93 billion light years. That's how far, that's the power of compound interest. Some of you are like, I need to be saving yesterday. Right, that's the power. No, that's the power of doing something over and over and over again, repetitive. That's the power of your habits. Habits are powerful. You see, habits can either propel you into the future that God has for you, or it can hold you back from what He wants you to experience. And if that's true, if Aristotle said this, Aristotle said, "You are what you repeatedly do." That means I'm not, integrity is not something that I do, it's who I am. You're either a person of integrity or you're not. That means excellence is not something that I do, I'm either a person of excellence or I'm not. So what you do daily is determining who you're becoming permanently. Everybody say day by day. So if you look at your life and you say, I'm just, I'm not where I wanna be. You know, I'm not the Christian I want to be. I'm not the parent that I want to be. I'm not, I'm not the spouse I want to be. I'm not the employee I want to be. I'm not the employer. I'm not the friend I want to be. The product isn't the problem. Who you are right now, where you are in life is not the problem. The, the practice is the problem. Because what you have been doing has led you to where you are today. Good habits are made just like bad habits. How are they made? Practice, everybody say practice. But see, the devil wants you to believe that a changeable practice is a permanent problem. But I believe that God wants to, to shift some things in us today. Maybe he wants to just reveal some things to us, that some habits that we may need to adjust and change in order to change the outcome of our lives. How many of you know that practice doesn't make perfect, but practice makes permanent? What you do daily. So let me ask you, what are you practicing? day by day. What are you practicing? What are you repeatedly doing? What are you doing over and over again? Are you practicing your faith? Are you practicing your faith day by day? Had a conversation with my brother Mike here. If you don't know Mike Wells, you need to get to know him. It's hard to miss. He's a beautiful man and dresses impeccably. And uh, I always talk about that, Mike. Just stop showing us up. Okay, uh, no, we were having a conversation. I actually got this message from a conversation we were having about growing in your faith. How, how do you grow in your faith? And I finally, I, I came to the conclusion, you grow in your faith day by day. 
It's not happen, something that just happens one day, someday. It's day by day. Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. Look at, look at Ephesians 2.8. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the what? Gift of God. I love this, that my ability to even respond to God is a gift from God. Like my ability to acknowledge God is a gift from God. He gave me grace. Faith is a byproduct of grace. But we can't just receive faith, we have to practice it. We have to practice our faith. Look at Colossians 2, verse six. It says this, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must what? Continue to follow him. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow. It'll grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Your faith, come on, your faith can grow with practice. If you're not happy, if you're not satisfied, if you're not okay with where you are spiritually, it can grow with practice. See, our problem is that we hate practice, don't we? Come on, we, nobody likes running sprints. No, nobody likes doing the hard thing. Nobody likes being unseen, the hard stuff, the hidden stuff. We like that, the glamorous moments, right? We, we, we like the, the big moments. There's a moment in scripture. It's in uh, Luke chapter four. And Jesus is kind of early in his, his career, is early in his earthly ministry. He, uh, he shows up and he walks into this, this tabernacle, this temple, and he, he grabs a scroll. He grabs the scroll of Isaiah and he reads down to this part and he starts reading it. And this is kind of his moment of letting everybody know who he was. Like, hey, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. Like, this is me. All this stuff you read in scripture, it's, it's me. I'm raising my hand. This is really powerful moment. Like, like, I just imagine like a Hammond B3 organ behind him, right? Like as he's saying this, and he's reading this, check this out, Luke 4, 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Come on, somebody. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, anybody would like to have the kind of like confidence in their faith that Jesus had in that moment? Like just to be, able, and I love what it says after that verse, it says that he just like rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the priest, just like mic drop, like, what's up y'all? I'm here. And, and it was just amazing. I, and to me, I'm like, I would love to have that much faith. I'd love to be that confident, to be able just to roll up in any situation and just say, yo, this is what the Lord has called me to do. I'd love to have that much confidence in my calling. Anybody else would like to have that, that kind of faith, that, that, that ability to just say, hey, this is what God says. This, I'm confident he's gonna show up. But what I didn't read is before that, uh, Jesus was in a wilderness and he was fighting the devil for a few days. And he won, he went one-on-one with the devil and he won. But then I didn't read before that that it says that for 40 days he had been fasting. You see, Jesus was putting into practice. Before he could have this moment, he was practicing his faith. There's another passage in uh, Matthew. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Matthew 17. Matthew 17 where the, the disciples, there's this um, demon-possessed boy 
and the disciples are trying to cast the demon out and they can't do it. And they go to Jesus and they're like, yeah, Jesus, why this ain't working? This is like a super demon. I don't know what it is. You hadn't taught us how to do this yet. And he's like, no, like you wicked and perverse generation. It's kind of mean, kind of hurtful. There's more to that. I don't have time to go into it. And he says, that he does his thing, casts the demon out of the boy and the disciples come back to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, how did you do that? Like, we tried. We've been working all day. Like, we're sweating. Like, like John's about to pass out. I, we, we, we couldn't do it. And he says, he said, these, these type of things only come from prayer and fasting. You gotta put in the practice. You gotta practice your faith. If you want God to show up, you've got to practice. Somebody say practice. Anybody take piano lessons as a kid? Well, I see a lot of hands going up. I took piano lessons as a kid. How many of you can actually play the piano that took piano lessons? All right, put my hand down, all right? Why? Because I, my, my piano teacher, her name was Miss Taylor. And every week I'd go during, during class, I'd you know, miss a part of class and I'd, I'd go, go to have piano lessons. And, and uh, in the class, I would pay attention, right? Like in the moment when I'm like playing something, I would pay attention. But the truth is, is that I hated practicing. Like I hated it. I mean, no, you, you can't play the piano unless you practice. You know? And so recital time would come up, right? Y'all know that moment? You know, pleated khakis, sweater vest, recital. And, uh, and, and I would be freaking out before recital because I had never, like, I didn't practice it. So a couple of days before, I'm just cramming all day. Like, I'm just learning, memorizing just this one piece, this one thing. You know, Mary had a little lamb. I just gotta memorize this one thing and, and, get, it, and get it done. And then by the end of it, I'd totally forgotten it. I had no idea how to play it. I couldn't play it for you today if I, if I had to. And, and why? Because you'll never be successful if you don't practice. You'll never be successful if you're only there for the big moments. You gotta practice it. I love what James Clear said in Atomic Habits. And he says, success is the product of your daily habits, not once in a lifetime transformations. Isn't that good? Success is the product of your daily habits, not once in a lifetime transformations. Don't we want those moments? Don't we just want the moment where we come into worship and the music's just right and the lights are just right and they got just the right amount of haze and, 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 and they sing the song that I like, the one that I, I love and, 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 and the message is something that I wanted to hear. It's not something I needed to hear, it's something I wanted to hear and, and, and we want those moments where we just get the goosebumps and our goosebumps have goosebumps and we just want that moment where like I'm gonna be changed and I have this encounter with God and everything's different. We would love to just everything be solved with a once in a lifetime transformation, but the truth is it takes daily habits. Everybody say day by day. So how do you be a Christian? You do a day by day. I wanna look at a passage of scripture. Um, there's a lot of habits that you can have spiritually. There's a lot of spiritual habits or disciplines, but uh, I tried to find a passage of scripture that kind of had several all in one. So I looked at Acts chapter two, and in Acts chapter two, this is kind of the birth of the early church. Church is just starting. Jesus, he died on the cross. He went to the tomb. He rose again three days later. He's, then he's kind of just hanging around for a little while, and he's like freaking people out. You know, like, like he just walks into a room, like just through the door, like through the wall, just appears. And it's like, what's up, dudes? And, and hey, you got any fish? I'm hungry. It's like, that's weird, Jesus. Like, why would you, why would you do that? He just, he's just 
like a ghost. It's just crazy. He's doing crazy things like that. And then he ascends to heaven. And, and then we know that a little bit later, he tells the disciples, hey, stay here, stay in Jerusalem. The spirit of God falls. There's Pentecost. We know this moment. They're praying in tongues. Some guys come up like, hey, how are you talking in the language that, that's my native language? I don't know. It's the power of God. It's awesome. All these things happen. The disciples, they start teaching the gospel. They start spreading the good news. And the church is growing. It's growing, it's crazy, but there's persecution. They run into some hard times. They've got some, some people in government. They've got some, some bad guys that are out to squash this thing called the church. They're, they're under oppression, they're under persecution. It's hard to be a Christian. Come on, does that relate to anybody today? It's, it's hard to be a Christian but Jesus is growing them and then the church has to scatter. And we think it's bad. We think that the devil's winning. He's crushing the church. No, it was God's plan all along that they would scatter so that more people would hear and new people would hear and they would take it out of the Jewish uh, religion and, and into the Gentiles, into the people that, that weren't Jews. And, and it's growing and we find ourselves at the early church, Acts chapter two. And I think there's some principles that we could learn here that could help us grow our faith Grow spiritually. Check out verse 46 in Acts chapter two. Says this, and what day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, what day by day, those who were being saved. I love this. If you look at verse 46, it starts off with, and day by day. All the English teachers in the room, that and is a conjunction, right? It's, it's connecting what's happening before this to what's happening after this. And, and in verse 42 through 46, in verse 47, we see what God did, right? He added to their number day by day. He blessed them, he showed up. But verse 42 through 46, it tells us what the early church did. It shows us what they were doing day by day. It shows us their habits, so I want us to, to look at that because when you do what you can do, God will do what he can do. I, I love verse 47. I love that God just grew their numbers day by day. He just showed up and blessed them. But it came after them doing something. It came after them practicing their faith. Could it be that God gave them uh, God, God grew them day by day because they were practicing day by day. So what are you practicing? Here's a few of them. How to be a Christian day by day. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and prayer. So number one, we see that they were persistent in prayer. They were persistent in prayer. Write that down. The early church understood that it was God's will that they pray. It was God's will. Have, have you ever thought about that before? That God wills you to pray? Like it's, it's God's will that you pray. See, I, I hear uh, Christians all the time are asking like, what's God's will for my life? I just, God, just show me your will. What's your will? And most of the time we're talking about, you know, like, will for like a job or to move to a place or you know, a person or whatever the case may be. But how many of you know that 
that God will often show you his specific will once you've done his general will. We got too many people that are trying to figure out the specific will of God for their life and they're not doing the general will. It's God's will that you pray. The early church understood this. Prayer was like breathing to them. They were, it, it, it was just something they did every day, day by day. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. It says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the what? Will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's a heart check, right? Do you pray without ceasing? Do you have a habit of prayer? Day by day, are you praying? Are you doing the general will of God? I love in Acts 2, it says that every day they were gathering in their homes and in the temple. Did you catch that? In their homes and in the temple. So prayer wasn't just something they practiced publicly, but it was also something they practiced privately. You know how to be a Christian in 2021. How are you gonna make it? How are you gonna do this day by day? You gotta practice prayer in public and in private. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? I, I, I need a habit. I need to, to, to change some habits in my life. I need some spiritual habits of praying day by day. Listen, if all of your Christianity happens in public, if all of your Christianity happens in public, you're in trouble. If the only time you practice your Christianity is on Sunday, you got a problem. And if the only time you practice your Christianity is in private, you're not doing it right. Right? It's both and. It's, it's public and private. It's corporate and it's individual. Could you imagine if I only talked to my wife in public? We'd have some issues. Don't look at it, y'all. Look at her. Look, I'm talking. If I only talked to Kayla in public, we'd have some issues. How I many of you know we would be lacking intimacy? Right? If I only talked to her in public, there'd be no intimacy at home, if you know what I'm saying. Come on, somebody. I, I gotta have both and. It's gotta be public and private. It, if I only talk to her in private, I mean, you know, we'd have issues as well because then it absolves me of any responsibility in public. Nobody knows that she's my wife. Nobody knows that I'm married. So I can just, I can creep in public because I don't have a relationship with her in public. Come on, it's the way your Christianity works. God doesn't want to just meet you on Sunday and then not talk to you the rest of the week. It's both and. You gotta have a relationship. The key to healthy relationship is communication. It's gotta be private and it's gotta be public. See, some of you, the only time that you pray is in public. The only time you pray is on Sunday. That's the only time you talk to God. That's why when we were shut down from COVID, like you didn't even jump on to watch church online because you, you couldn't be around other people and it wasn't the right vibe for you and the right mood for you because you don't have an intimate relationship with God. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. I can tell I'm preaching because you're quiet. I, I, I know I'm, I'm stepping on a few toes today. That's okay. I'm preaching to myself with this this morning that I've got to make sure that what I'm practicing day by day is I'm practicing my faith. Some of you, you only pray in private. And your friends have no idea that you're a Christian. 
See, there's some of you that are doing some things that you know you shouldn't be doing. You're saying some things. You're responding in a way that you shouldn't be doing. And that's because the people in your world totally expect you to respond that way because they have no idea you have a relationship with God. It's both and. It's public and it's private. There are times, there's things that God wants to give you that he won't give you in public. There's things he wants for you that you need to just hit your knees in private and cry out to God and experience his presence. There's things he wants to do in you and deposit in you that he's not gonna do in this room. He's gonna do it in your room. You gotta have both and. The second thing we see, before, before we go to number two, I just wanna tell you this. When you practice your prayer, it's gonna produce God's presence. When you practice prayer, it's gonna, redu- it's gonna produce God's presence. And I don't know about you, but I've needed God's presence over the last couple of years. I've needed the presence of God in my life to help me know what to do in some situations that I've, I've been through. And I know you've experienced some things over the last year and a half or so that you need the presence of God. Anybody ever have that friend that the more you're around them, they just, you start to talk like them? Right, like they rub off on you. I got some spouses, I got some wives looking at some husbands like, yeah, we should get rid of that friend because I'm tired of you acting like them. But that's how this relationship with God works. The more I spend time with him, the more he rubs off on me. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says that, that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. They're higher than my thoughts and they're higher than my ways. So the more I pray and I practice prayer, I'm cultivating his presence and the more I'm in his presence, the more he starts rubbing off on me so I start thinking higher things. I start doing and looking for better ways. So if you don't like where you are today, look at your habits. Look at what you're practicing. The second thing we see, not only were they persistent in prayer, but they were devoted to the word. They were devoted to the word. It says that day by day, they were listening to the apostles' teaching. Well, what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching the word. They, they would have looked at the Old Testament. They would have looked at you know, the, the Torah. They would have looked at the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would have looked at the prophecies from the prophets. They would have looked at all these things, and they would have said, now that we've experienced Jesus, how does Jesus show up in these places. And that's what they were teaching because we know John 1 says that the word became flesh. So Jesus was the word. He became flesh. So now how do I study the word? How do I look at the word? How do I practice getting in the word? I start reading the Bible and I start asking myself, what would Jesus do if he were me? What, what What would Jesus post if he were me? What would Jesus be angry about if he were me? What would Jesus be excited about if he were me? What would Jesus be fighting for if he were me? Day by day, we've got to get in the word. But how many of you know that devotion requires discipline? And nobody likes discipline, right? Devotion requires discipline. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying but I'm devoted, I'm disciplined. Look, you can either suffer the price of discipline or you can suffer the regret of the lack of it. 
You can either suffer the price of discipline, it's hard for a season, or you can suffer the regret of the lack of it. Discipline is doing what you're called to do even when you don't want to do it. You know, 75% of Americans today, they're reading their Bible. Uh, I'm sorry, 75% of Americans are reading their phone the first time, the first thing they do when they get up in the morning. It's the first thing they jump on. They jump on the news or social media. It's the very first thing. 75% of Americans keep their phone next to their bed. Anybody like me, you got, that's your alarm. You keep it next to the bed. That's the first thing they do when they jump on it. See, some of us spend more time in the news than we do the good news. Some of us spend more time on our feed, come on somebody, than we do actually feeding on the bread of life. But if we don't like where we are, we've got to look at what we're doing. No wonder Pastor Mike's message a few weeks ago on anxiety resonated so well with our church. Because what are we consuming? I talked about this last time I preached. What comes in is going to come out. What, what habits do you have of consuming? Are you, are you constantly in the news? Are you constantly on social media? Are you constantly feeding yourself what other people are up to and how other people look and what other people are experiencing, this comparison trap? What are you consuming? And what do you think it's gonna produce in your life? No wonder you're anxious. No wonder it's producing anger. No wonder it's producing suicidal thoughts. No wonder it's producing depression. It's our habits. It's what we're practicing day by day. So let me demystify this really quick before we close. I, I want to make sure that you don't, you don't look at reading your Bible and praying and these spiritual habits and these things that we're talking about. I think we, we kind of romanticize this a bit. You know, I, I don't know about you, but... I often find myself wanting it to look a certain way. Like I've got to get up at 5 a.m. and the birds are just starting to chirp, right? And I've got a coffee and a journal and my Bible right there. It's like the Instagram picture of, of just everything's perfect. And if, it, and if it doesn't look like this, then I must not be doing it right. Come on, I, I don't know how many times I've given up on something, on a spiritual habit just because it didn't look like the way I thought it was supposed to look like. It didn't look like the super Christian's version of it, right? And I mean, you know, like 5 a.m. comes early, yo. Like, that's, that's early. So let, let me just, like, free up some of you. Let me just bless you for a second. I'm not telling you how this has to look. I'm not telling you how your prayer life has to look. I'm not telling you how you're, you're reading the Bible has to look. It's just do it. Just do it every day, day by day. Just do it. Don't get caught up in how it looks like because some of you, how many of you would agree, you're not an early person. Anybody like me, not a morning person? Come on, night owls, where are you at? All the night owls. Okay, where's all the morning people? Early birds, put your hands down. You're weird, okay? Be like me, you're a night owl. Hey, Psalm 127 actually talks about this. It says, it says uh, that it is vain for you to rise up early and go late to rest. <laughs> so you can't do both, okay? It's okay, if you're, it's okay if you're an early bird and it's okay if you're a night owl. We got, so, we got so many Christians that are frustrated because they're trying to do it the way that everybody else do it, does it or uh, certain people that we see on Instagram doing it. You just do you. You do how God created you. It's okay. The Bible just says don't be an, 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 it's okay if you be an early bird or a night owl, just don't be an early owl or a night bird, okay? You just can't do both. 
right? It actually goes on to say that if you do, you'll eat the bread of sorrow. I don't know what bread of sorrow means, but it doesn't sound good. It's probably keto bread is probably what it is. It's... So just, listen, just practice day by day, day by day, and it takes discipline. It takes discipline. Inspiration gets you going, but discipline keeps you going. It's okay to come into a message like today and come into a service and get inspired to do it, but you gotta have discipline. Discipline keeps you going. Discip listen, everybody else says, I'll quit when I get tired. Disciplined people say, I quit when I'm done. I know it's hard to be a Christian sometimes. It's, man, I, I don't feel like reading my Bible, but I'm not done. I don't feel like praying, but I'm not done. I don't feel like being a good person today, but I'm not done. I don't feel like being a husband or a father. I don't feel like being a good employee. I don't feel like, but I'm not done. Can we just decide today that we're gonna be some disciplined people that says we're not gonna quit until we're done. We're not gonna quit until Jesus calls us home. I'm not done. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna keep going one day at a time, day by day. That's how you be a Christian. It's day by day. And the last thing, we're gonna close with this. I'm already in the red on my time. Day by day. Somebody shout day by day. day, by day. Says this in Acts 2, that they were meeting in homes and in the temple. Number three, they were committed to community. They were committed to community. When you read your Bible, you will see that community is essential to the Christian life. We've heard a lot about that word essential over the last couple of years. Essential, what's essential, what's not essential. Community is essential to being a Christian. We have to have each other. You need people in your life that know what's going on. You know what I'm gonna say. This is why small groups are so important. This isn't just something that we want to do it's because it's a popular thing in the church world to do. No, it's essential to your faith. You need people in your corner. You need people knowing what you're going through. You need people holding you accountable. You need people saying, hey, you're not done. I know it's hard, but keep going. You're not done. You're gonna get through this day by day, day by day. I'm checking in on you day by day. We're doing this together day by day. Community is essential. So when a community a committed community is persistent in prayer and devoted to the word, we see three things that pop up. In Acts chapter two, verse 43, it says, and all came upon every soul. So here's the litmus test. To, hey, do I need to check some of these habits? Here's how you tell. Because when a committed community is persistent in prayer and devoted to the word, they're in awe of God. When's the last time you were in awe of God? When's the last time you just, you were in the presence of God and you just, and you just stood in awe? I know the last time that you were in awe of that post that made you mad or made you happy, but when's the last time you were in awe of God? I know you were in awe when your kids did that really cute thing that you just had to share. Like it was amazing. They're incredible. But when's the last time you were in awe of God? 
So when I'm in awe, I don't, I don't want to leave. I, I don't want to stop reading. I don't want to stop praying. I don't want to stop worshiping. I just, I just want to rest in this moment. I just want to stay in this moment. I'm in awe. Have you lost your awe? Have you lost your awe of how good God is? Maybe. If you have, then it's okay. We just need to work on our practices. We need to, we need to practice our faith a little bit more because when we do day by day, day by day, it starts to develop. I start to get this awe of God. The second thing that shows up is generosity. It says that all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, the proceeds to all who had need. Generosity shows up. When a committed community is persistent in prayer and devoted to the word, they become generous. You say, Trey, you talking about money? Yeah, I'm talking about money, but I'm also talking about your words. When's the last time you were generous with your words? When's the last time you called somebody and you said, hey, I just wanna check on you. How you doing? I was actually convicted of this today. So before the message uh, at 9 a.m., I text a buddy. He said, hey man, thinking about you, I'm praying for you. What can I do for you? When's the last time you were, you were just generous with your words? When's the last time you were generous with your hands? When's the last time you just showed up and said, hey, what can I do? Not, hey, I'm here, everybody look at me, what can I do? How can I serve? See, when a committed community is persistent in prayer and devoted to the word, generosity wells up. And the third thing we see is that the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So the third thing that shows up is evangelism. Have we, have we stopped being the evangelist? Well, when I was in church, we used to talk about it all the time, like how you should be witnessing to people and telling people about Jesus and sharing your faith with your friends. You see, when a, community, a committed community is persistent in prayer and devoted to the word, they tell people about it. When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you stopped and asked the cashier, can I pray with you? When's the last time you showed your faith in public and witnessed and asked people to step into this relationship that you have with God? It comes up when you're committed to community, persistent in prayer and devoted to the word. So every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want you to evaluate this morning. I know it's hard to be a Christian. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. But if you were to look at your life and say, you know, I'm just not where I want to be. Maybe you need to check your habits. What are you doing day by day? What are you doing daily? Are you persistent in prayer? Are you persistent on Netflix? Are you devoted to the word? Are you devoted to the gym? Come on, I'm not trying to beat you up or anything. I'm just telling you, we need to look at what we're doing day by day and saying, hey, there's some basic things that we may be missing out on because we're busy doing everything else. And, and everything else may be good and it may not be bad, but is it the, the general will of God that he has said, hey, do these things? We need to check our habits. 
So if you say, Trey, hey, I, I need to fix some habits in my life today. I just need to adjust them. I need to tweak them. I need to practice them. Let me just encourage you. There's no condemnation. Like there's new mercies every day. God just wants you to start today. Hey, day by day. Or if you say, Trey, I just need prayer. I need prayer because I need to change some things. Would you just lift your hand? I just wanna pray for you. Hands going up all over the building. And put them down. Hey, today, mark it today. We're gonna be disciplined. We're gonna be a committed community, persistent in prayer, devoted to the word, and we are gonna see God show up on our behalf. God, we love you. I thank you for every person that raised their hand. God, I pray that the devil would not condemn them, not try to, they, they wouldn't believe any condemnation or shame for maybe something that they should have been doing or haven't been doing or haven't been doing enough. But God, they just rest in your mercy. And God, that today you give them the strength to do this thing day by day. God, I pray that you bring some people in their life. They'd get some people around them that can hold them accountable day by day. That they can walk this thing out day by day. Yes, we are excited about what you're gonna do in the future, but we're focused day by day on living out what you've called us to do day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you say, Trey, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have anything to work on because I don't have it. But I want to now. I'm not gonna give you the pitch. Jesus loves you. He brought you here to this service, this moment, just for you. He has grace for you, not shame, not condemnation. He loves you right where you are and he can save you today. You say, Trey, I wanna have that relationship with Jesus. Right now, would you just shoot your hand up? Just shoot your hand up. If that's you, we're gonna pray. I see that hand up top. I see that hand there. It's awesome. I see that hand right there in the back. Hey, church family, would you just pray with me? And if you raised your hand, would you just uh, repeat after me? We'll make this really simple. Church family, let's say this together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to live for you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church family, can we celebrate?